Welcome to the Weekly Fantasy Roundup with your host, Andrew Skinner. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Weekly Fantasy Roundup. Today is Wednesday, November the 4th, 2020. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Skinner. This week's episode will discuss week 8 of the week that was in the NFL season as it pertains to TBLC and, of course, the Guillotine League, Decapitation Nation. I've been starting out most episodes with a brief injury discussion. Injuries that were significant in terms of fantasy uh, in the in the previous week. But uh, sadly, the injury segment is growing every week. You know, it started out as a brief thing where I was like, yeah, I'll touch on the, uh, the guys who got injured last week, whatever. But uh, more and more people are getting injured on a weekly basis. Is this because uh, there was very limited, you know, there was no formal preseason? It was just extended practices? I don't know. But we're seeing a lot of guys go down to hamstring injuries, groin injuries, soft tissue injuries. You know, we're seeing a lot more soft tissue injuries this year. Now, we've seen some other freak injuries as well. Um, but soft tissue injuries are more common this year, at least so far. So I'm not sure if that's because of no pre, uh, uh, preseason or not. But who knows? Anyway, let's get a little bit into those injuries that happened last week. Uh, the biggest injury, of course... George Kittle with a broken foot slash ankle. He's likely done for the year. Uh, coach of the 49ers seems to think that he's uh, going to be out for the minimum amount of time, which is three weeks once you're placed on the IR. But I don't know, man. George Kittle is not fucking Wolverine. And I just don't see him uh, coming back from a broken foot after three weeks. But fuck do I know. Uh, Cooper Cup fractures wrist, possibly heading to the injured reserve. Uh, turn is unknown at this point. Calvin Ridley, day-to-day with a minor ankle sprain, hoping to play this week. Kenny Galladay, week-to-week with a hip injury. Uh, the severity of that injury is unknown at this point. I'm hoping, personally, it's not very long as I just traded for him in one of my other leagues. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is day-to-day with a minor ankle injury, but I'm willing to bet that injuries actually probably hurt feelings uh, for losing touches to both Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines last week. Uh, time will tell as to whether or not that's an actual injury. Uh, Tevin Coleman re-aggravated his knee injury that kept him out to begin the year. Likely going straight back to the IR, and this might be the uh, the end of Tevin Coleman's brief tenure in a 49ers uniform. He was their big uh, free agent signing in 2019 and never really panned out. And before we knew it, uh, Raheem Mostert emerged out of that backfield, making uh, Tevin Coleman basically redundant. And now this year... Jerick McKinnon has been um, 
pretty efficient in the limited role behind Mostert, of course, being injured. So, Tevin Coleman, likely back to the IR. Uh, sticking with injuries, after seeing so many injuries this week, I decided to take some time. And I went through the top 24 draft picks, TBLC, okay? The first two rounds of picks. Here are the guys from the first two rounds, okay? Just the first two rounds. First 24 players off the board. Here are the guys that have lost long, have have missed multiple weeks to long-term injuries, okay? Christian McCaffrey, first overall pick. Missed six weeks so far. Likely back this week, but we don't know that for sure yet. Squad Barkley uh, was going number two or three in most drafts. I believe he went number three, TBLC. He's gone for the year, torn ACL. Michael Thomas, uh, multiple injuries. He's been out now. I think he's been out five weeks. He's supposed to be back this week, but again, who knows? Uh, Austin Eckler on the IR, return is unknown. Miles Sanders, multiple different injuries, missed three games so far. Kenyon Drake, ankle injury out multiple weeks. Nick Chubb, missed four weeks so far, slated to return week 10. And George Kittle, of course, done for the year. So that's eight of the first 24 players off the board this year that have gone down to multiple weak injuries. That is fucking crazy. Even Skinner math tells me that's one-third of the players taken in the first two rounds fucking gone for multiple weeks. It's crazy. I mean, injuries are always a part of fantasy football as, you know, the NFL's most physical game of the major sports, but it just seems like injuries are the real theme of this season besides, you know, uh, COVID cases and and delays popping up. But injuries seem to be more prevalent uh, this year than in previous years. Anyway, enough with fucking injuries. Like I said before, I didn't start this podcast talking about injuries. It's just, you know, in a fantasy football podcast, well, not a fantasy football podcast, in a weekly fantasy roundup podcast, it's hard to uh, not at least discuss significant injuries. So it's not something I like doing, but it's uh, part of the process. So we got to bring it up. But that's enough for that. No more injuries for this week. Please, let's hope all of our players stay healthy. Nobody goes down and we don't discuss this anymore. All right. Diving straight into TBLC. Let's start first with what went down in week eight. Week 8 saw myself, Andrew, knock off Justin by a score of 166.42 to 134.04. Next, we had Aaron Bishop defeat Ryan Evans by a score of 165.18 to a paltry 95.28, a whopping 70-point beatdown. Uh, then we had Joel pulling off the win against Spencer, 139.74 to 125.18. Then we had Steve Power with a big win over Sean, 125.78 to 89.24. Uh, we had Adam defeat 
Davin by a score of 139.74 to 120.22. And finally, we had the Nailbiter of the Week. This was uh, this was one of these fun matches. Like, you'll often get weeks where, you know, at least for myself, I look at the scores that were and say, oh, man, if so-and-so was up against so-and-so, it would have been a really close match. Well, that happened this week, and it was Cam versus Gary. Gary eked out a win. Get this, 101.64 to 101.34. That's right, Gary defeated Cam by a mere 0.3 points for the absolute smallest margin of victory. You couldn't you couldn't script a closer match. It was uh, it was fun. I watched it right down to the very end, but Gary uh Gary just pulled it out. So, as those results relate to my predictions from last week, the reverse curse for me is, I mean, it's thriving at this point. It is just, it's on fire. I've I've predicted myself to lose uh, every week now, and I've won uh, six in a row. So, Justin over Skinner, I picked. I was wrong as fuck because reverse curse, baby. But other than that, I had a good week. I picked uh, Bishop over Ryan. I picked Joel over Spencer. I picked Sean over Steve Power. I didn't get that one right. But I did pick... Uh, 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 sorry, I picked Adam over Davin. Lost my train of thought there for a second. And I did, uh, unfortunately, pick Cam over Gary. I almost got that right. So, officially 3-3 three and three on the week. Unofficially 4-2 and two on the week. After the matchups were decided, the standings after week eight are as follows. There's one man in first place, and again, it's me. Seven and one, week eight champ. That's what's up, baby. Second place, Mr. Aaron Bishop, uh, standing at six and two. Then we got a three-way logjam at five and three with Joel, Adam, and Ryan tied. All alone at four and four. Mr. Gary Nolan holding down sixth place all by himself. Then we've got a log jam towards the bottom with Justin, Steve Power, Cam, and Sean all tied at three and five. And finally, bring up the rear are the dumpster fires known as Davin and Spencer tied at two and six. Despite there being five weeks left in the regular season, I've already almost guaranteed myself playoff spot at seven and one with multiple teams tied at three and five as I've uh, a beaten most of those teams for the secondary tiebreaker and B currently lead the league in points four. I would need to lose every match and all of those teams would need to win out. So I haven't gone ahead and looked at schedule, but assuming one of those guys play each other at one point, I'm almost guaranteed a playoff spot. So I'd like to think being 7-1 and the Week 8 champ is enough to guarantee me a playoff spot. But for mathematical purposes, I am almost guaranteed a playoff spot, which is exciting because uh, TBLC didn't go so well for me last year. So I'm hoping that I got a chance to redeem myself uh, this year. 
So the high score of the week was uh, me, 166.42 points. The low score of the week was Sean with uh, 89.24. Not a great week. Uh, not cracking 100 is a bad week in uh, full PPR, but not cracking 90 is just fuck. That's uh, one of those losses that you just uh, you take a look at your team and figure out how you can uh, turn things around, maybe via trade or whatnot. But when you're not cracking 90 points, you know the changes need to be made. Let's go over the top positional scores of the week now. Top quarterback was Mr. Patrick Mahomes, 31-42 for 416 yards, five touchdowns, no pick, plus one bonus points for four and a plus passing yards for a total of 47.64 points. As Justin Kennedy knows, he was uh, my quarterback. Got him. Uh, the high-scoring running back was the number one running back for the Minnesota Vikings, Alexander Madison. He had three carries for eight yards. Wait, uh, wait, no, that's not right. Is that right? Uh, wait, this is weird. Someone told me that Alexander Madison was the top running back for Minnesota. Uh, I must have got that wrong. Uh, hold on, guys. Give me a second. Uh, top scoring running back last week. Oh, uh, wait, never mind. Uh, it was actually Dalvin Cook, I guess, the RB2 for Minnesota. Weird. Anyway, uh, the backup running back, Dalvin Cook, had 30 carries for 163 yards and three touchdowns to go along with two receptions and 63 yards and one touchdown for 48.6 points. As Justin Kennedy also knows, he is on my team. Lucky for me, uh, I don't have much depth at running back, so it's nice to see uh, the backup running back for a team like Minnesota get it done for me. So I'm um, hoping that guy can uh, maybe get a few more snaps next week. I'd hate to see him, uh, you know, just totally ride the pine behind that stud Alexander Madison. Uh, moving on, the top scoring wide receiver of the week was DK Metcalf. He had 12 receptions for 162 yards and two touchdowns for a tidy 40.1 points for Mr. Steve Power. And finally, I seem to be calling this guy's number every week. But the top scoring tight end was none other than Travis Kelsey with eight receptions, 109 yards, and a touchdown for 24.9 points for Justin. As a friendly reminder to everyone, I want to let everyone know that the trade deadline, TBLC, is November the 20th. That's uh, just around the corner from now. So if anyone's planning on making any big moves or anything like that, just know that the trade deadline is indeed on the 20th of November. Speaking of trades, wheeling and dealing. That's right, fucking crickets. On the trade front, leave it to me to make a fucking trade segment only to have a lame week where nobody made single trade. Boring. Who wants to play in league with no trades? Thumbs down. Not me. Let's hope that going forward we have at least 
one trade to talk about here. I mean, I don't understand how there aren't more trades going down. We got log jams for people fighting for a couple of playoff spots. There are lots of teams that need lots of help, but yet there doesn't seem to be many moves made. I don't know if the bottom teams are content to be three and five or even two and six, but anyway, no trades to talk about this week, sadly. What I do have to talk about is something that is going to come up each and every week, regardless of what the other managers do. This is something that is independent of managers making trades or dropping and adding or leaving high-scoring players on their bench. No, no. This, uh, this portion of the show, this one takes care of itself. So without further ado, let me present to you our favorite segment, the one you look forward to more than anything else. Shirt of the Week. Ironically, I just finished saying that this particular segment takes care of itself. But this week, I actually struggled to come up with the Shirt of the Week, to be honest. Like I said, this segment was not necessarily about the player who performed the worst, but the player maybe who performed the most below expectations, or the player who maybe single-handedly cost somebody a match, etc. So there was no clear option this week. There were a few disappointing performances, of course. But after much thought, much consideration, I've decided to make the share of the week San Francisco 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, 11 for 16 for 84 yards, zero touchdowns, one pick. He also had four carries for four yards and one fumble for 0.76 fantasy points. But, but Skinner, he got hurt. Why you got to pick on an injured player like that? Yes, I know. He got hurt. I know. And not only did he get hurt, but he didn't cause uh, the person who rostered and started him to lose. He was started by Gary Nolan, who won this match. And I know, yes, he got hurt. I get it. And he's out for six weeks or more. But he got injured in the fourth quarter. It's not as if he went down early in the game. Garoppolo had plenty of chances to make plays and simply did not. Why? Because he's shit. He's a bad NFL quarterback. He played the Seahawks, who produce quarterback one for their opponent every single week. Why? Because like Jimmy Garoppolo, their defense sucks. Every week, Seattle's opposing quarterback goes ballistic through the year. Except Garoppolo, because he is fucking trash him being down and on IR now might actually benefit the 49ers granted they've got apparently their whole team either injured or out with COVID this week so that Packers 49ers game on Thursday should be an absolute lull fest but anyway Garoppolo 
Jimmy G, shirt of the week, the end. All right, that little snippet means it's decapitation nation time. Let's get into what happened in the guillotine league last week. Our top score of the week was Miss Megan. 161.92 points. Highlighted by massive performances from Dalvin Cook and DK Metcalf. Two of the high scoring players at their respective positions last week. She also got 23.3 points for the Pittsburgh DST. Way to go, Megan. Big week. Uh, the top three point scorers after week eight are Cam with 1,115.82 points. Megan with 1,114.36 points. And Mr. Bishop with 1,081.70 points. I love seeing that despite there being only 10 or I should I say nine teams remaining in the pool now that people are still gambling people are still stashing players on their bench in the hopes that they can just squeak out one week and that said player will either return from a buy or return from an injury so people are gambling I love it I think the, I think the fact that this is a relatively small buy-in pool of only $20 uh, really helps that. I'm interested to see how a league like this would play out uh, if it were higher buy-in. But I think the fact that people are still uh, relatively unfamiliar with this format and the fact that it is, in fact, a smaller uh, entry fee pool, that people are still feeling inclined to gamble on stashing players. Colin, for example, stashed three players last week. That ballsy bastard. So, and Colin survived. So now uh, now he's sitting pretty. He's got a pretty nice looking team over there. In fact, the only two people that didn't stash players last week were Cameron and Spencer. Nice to see that Spencer must have listened to the podcast because I said last week that Spencer needs to fucking pick his shit up Stop stashing fucking players being at the bottom of the scoring list. And what did he do? He started a full team. So it's interesting. I still think that uh, the positions to not leave out are kicker and uh, special teams. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on what defense you're playing. Uh, But like the top tier defenses are putting up you know, 15 plus points every week. I would much rather roll out a top defensive team than uh, some whack-a-mole tight end or some dart throw in flex. You know, if it's me personally, I'm taking those guaranteed points um, from the kicker position or the uh, defensive team position as opposed to a dart throw in my flex or even tight end, which is a bit of a whack-a-mole position anyway. But that's just me. As I keep telling you guys, I was out fucking, God, a month. Almost two months ago now. Stupid fucking game anyway. 
So, but it's nice to see people gambling. So, let's go now into the, uh, the bottom three scores from last week. We had uh, Joel, 112.24, highlighted by Clyde Edwards Alaire with 6.1 points. And Joel started no defense. Then we had Bishop with 110.92. Uh, highlighted by Zeke with a paltry 8.3, which is awful for Zeke, but apparently power for the course this season. And his kicker got him negative one point, so uh, what the fuck do I know about guaranteed kicker points anyway? But Bishop, also listening to the podcast, decided to roll no tight end. See? Tight end, whack-a-mole position. Start that fucking kicker. Start that defensive team. Leave out some shit plug at fucking tight end. Rather than rolling out, you know, Johnny come lately at tight end to hope he hits. I mean, other than the outlier games, your kickers are going to hit. Your defensive special teams are going to hit, you know. So, anyway, just my two cents, which is uh, why I make the podcast. Because I like giving my two cents. I've discussed the teams that were second and third lowest scoring last week. It's now time to move on, talk about the team that was the lowest scoring and eliminated from the pool last week. And that would be Aaron, my brother Aaron. For the second time in three weeks, we lost a team that was the top in the top three scoring overall. In fact, Aaron was the highest scoring team not that long ago. And now he's out. Because that is how fucking cruel this pool is. You can literally go from number one, at least in points four, to fucking out. God, what a format. What a fucking format this pool is. To see the first place team go down in flames in the span of just one week. As always, I recite a short poem for the team that's been eliminated. So allow me now to get right into that. Week 8 is over. No need to fidget. For teams remaining, there are single digits. That's right. We are down to just 9. God damn, some of these teams are looking fine. There was one team in particular that was looking good. Above them all. Atop the standings, he stood. But his time at the top was short-lived. He decided that it was his turn to give. Everyone else a chance to play on. You done messed up, A.A. Ron? For starters, he started Amari Cooper. To me, this looked like an obvious blooper. Who was throwing the ball? Ben DiNucci? Sounds like a guy wearing a purse. Probably Gucci. Hollywood Brown? No wonder you were last. Do you even listen to this podcast? All I do is talk about that plug, it seems. As he is basically on every eliminated team. If only your team could have stood a bit taller. And gotten some more points from Darren Waller. Starting Juju Smith-Schuster. Sounds like an awful time. His name is so bad, 
I couldn't come up with a rhyme. There is something else that I wanted to say. I can't think of it now. I've had a long day. Oh, right. Of course. It was about your QB. Did you forget that TBLC? I assume you thought that his matchup was gravy. Why else would you start that loser Tom Brady? Just 23 points against the Giants? Sounds like the output of a lousy client. The stat line suggests he was out for a stroll. No wonder they beat him in two Super Bowls. Let's not forget about those guys on Aaron's bench. I'm sure he could have used some points in a pinch. He may have hung on had he looked for a pivot. Instead, he found himself stuck in a giant divot. His team seemed to falter right out of the gate. And just like that, it was far too late. I spoke with Aaron as his team was starting to slip. All he said was, quote, I'll go down with the ship. What the hell does that even mean? When it comes to saving the life of your team. It sounds like some dumb shit Dido would say. To quote Senior Ben Chang. Ha! Gay! That is that. Another poem for our departed in the books. There will officially be no winner with the last name Skinner this year. It's very sad. I assumed the outset of this pool that I would have a chance and I clearly did not and then Aaron had a team towards the top thought he might have a chance and that also is not true before I get into email questions I want to go back to something that I was doing at the beginning of the podcast where that was predicting a loser for the Capitation Nation pool. Many of you have messaged me or commented and said, Hey, if you're going to be picking fucking winners and losers in TBLC, why can't you go back to picking a loser in Decapitation Nation? Well, I can, and I will. And let me do that right now. Edit Aaron Jones has been confirmed as active for tonight's game, so I am officially altering my prediction for who will be eliminated from Decapitation Nation. Because I'm only predicting one loser for this league, I'm going to go into some detail as to why I think that this particular team is going to get eliminated. Unlike TBLC, where I just make some mostly baseless predictions, uh, winners and losers for the upcoming week. In this pool, there's only one team that really loses, so let me dive into it a bit more. I'm going to go on a limb this week. And predict Sean Burke, the fucking legend himself, a.k.a. the 2018 All-Stars. I'm predicting him as our decapitated member for Week 9. He's got a good team. Uh, but, like, let's start at the top, for example. Justin Herbert. Kid's been a total stud. I got him off waivers in one of my keeper pools. He's almost a slam dunk keeper for me. Okay. But Herbert's been good in every single game so far. 
The guy hasn't missed not one week, and I just feel like as a rookie quarterback, he's bound to slip up. He's bound to fall back down to earth at some point, and I feel like this could be the game versus Las Vegas. Not that they necessarily have great defense, because they don't. I just feel like as a rookie quarterback, you're bound to come crashing down to earth, and I think that this is the week for that to happen. Uh, moving down the list, I like Stefan Diggs this week. Uh, they're in a game against Seattle, who, as I alluded to earlier in the podcast, fucking blow at defense. So I think Diggs has a big week. But you got Michael Thomas coming back after multiple weeks missed with an injury. I think he's going to be disappointing in his first uh, game action in over a month. Todd Gurley's been scoring lots of touchdowns. He faces a very tough Denver front seven this week. Denver is in the top ten of fewest points allowed to running backs. And Gurley's already had a lot of trouble finding running room. The only reason he is as efficient as he is so far is because of the touchdowns. I think that Denver slows him down this week, and I think that Gurley disappoints this week. Then you've got Chris Carson, who's missed a game uh, due to injury, will be coming back. Again, a guy not at 100%. So, uh, Chris Carson's production should and probably will be down this week. You've got Darren Waller, who's been pretty good. He wasn't great last week, as I alluded to in the poem. Uh, but Darren Waller should be okay. Uh, Brandon Cooks, again, I, I just don't like Brandon Cooks at all. You know, um it's going to be a bad weather game in Jacksonville, so that game might be more uh, run heavy. So I never liked Brandon Cooks. He's very much a boomer bust option, and I think he will bust in this game. And as of the moment, Sean is rolling with no defense, no kicker. So as it stands now, I predict that the 2018 All-Stars will be decapitated this week. All right, let's go ahead now and get into the final segment of the program while I read emails that have been sent in over the course of the week. There was just one email this week, but we did get one. And I'm going to read that now. It's titled, Week 9 Podcast. Hey there, long-time listener here with a question for the recap of last week's matches. On a scale of 1 to Joel Bryant... How hard do you feel you need to chirp the Cove Cowboys for losing in a matchup where the opposing QB literally could not manage to put up even a single point? Given how the real Cowboy season has gone, is it time to pile on or nah? Sincerely, Art Vandelay. P.S. If you know anyone looking for a good latex salesman, have him give me a call. Thank you. Thank you very much for your email, Mr. Vandelay. And might I say, what a pleasure it is to have such a fine importer, exporter like yourself taking the time to send me an email question. And what a great question it was. Should we pile on Cam for losing to a quarterback who couldn't put up Single point. Well, he didn't lose to a quarterback 
who didn't put up a single point, but he did put up, he did lose to a team who started a quarterback that couldn't even muster a single point. That is a great question. Now, now Cam is the kind of guy, we don't like to pile on Cam. I mean, Cam is longtime friend of the show, sent a couple of emails in himself. But when a man loses his matchup to a team led by the shirt of the week, I'm going to have to make an exception because Cam and his fucking joke of a team deserves to be piled on, okay? First of all, this is team fucking waiver wire, if ever saw one. Let's see who he started last week that came from waivers. Uh, Carson Wentz, James White, Mike Williams, Darius Slayton. I mean, that's half his fucking team from waivers. Yeah, you got Michael Thomas injured, Aaron Jones injured, Terry McLaurin on a bye. Blah, 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 blah. We all got fucking injuries. This team is a joke. And Cam deserves to be called out for losing to Gary Nolan and the shirt of the week. So, yes, to answer your question, Mr. Vandalay, he absolutely does deserve it. I've said before on this show that quarterback is the easiest position to replace. So, even though Cam's team deserves to have a big turd dropped on him for shit in the bed last week, you know, it's not all bad in Cam land. Yes, Wentz is trash, but I'm sure there are viable pivots out there on the wire. Granted, won't be as good as, you know, Patrick Mahomes got him or Russell Wilson, you know, so you don't have that surefire stud at QB. But when you roll him at Carson Wentz, you know, you're gambling. I guess he thought, well, you know what? You can't entirely blame Cam starting Carson Wentz after all. I mean, they were playing the Cowboys. Whoa, 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 whoa. And the Cowboys don't stop anyone or anything. They couldn't even stop Dak from shattering his leg in a gajillion places. So, much like Dak's leg, Cam's team was shattered last week. Bounced back down to earth. I mean, 3-5. and five, He's in the shit heap of teams fight for a playoff spot. He's afraid to make moves, afraid to trade. Thinks that despite being 3-5... and five, He's the one with the upper hand in the negotiations. Uh, newsflash. No bet. Your team is like not very fucking good. And, uh, you know, like lucky to even be three and five. Considering your team is third last points for shock. I mean, this team sucks. I'm really glad that Art Vandalay took the time to send in this email and I got to take a moment to really go over in detail just how bad this team is. I felt bad for making Gary's quarterback the shirt of the week, but I knew I had that email in my back pocket to uh, turn things around at the end. So thank you, Mr. Vandalay, 
for sending in your email question. And more importantly, thank you, Cam, for having a real shit heap of a team and allowing me to take a dump all over you at the end of the podcast. All right, that's it for this week. Gonna call an episode. I know some of you guys and gal like them around the half hour mark. We've gone a little bit over that this week, so I apologize. Uh, so for now, I wish you all the best of luck in week nine. Good luck to the nine remaining teams into Capitation Nation. We'll see you guys back here next week. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Weekly Fantasy Roundup. Contact us anytime at theweeklyfantasyroundup at gmail.com.